0: Welcome to episode 160 of the Fitness Simplified Podcast. I'm your host, Kim Schlag. Today, I am taking your questions from Instagram. It's some great questions we're talking about. Oh, we're talking about breaking down celebrity weight loss gummies. What did Oprah say this weekend about her and weight loss gummies? We're talking about creatine. What is it? Do you need it? How the heck does it even work? We're talking about how to figure out how many calories you should use for weight loss. We're talking about gyms, going to the gym and being nervous. What do you do if you're feeling nervous about going to the gym? And we're talking about the scale, scale fluctuations, and then we bring it home with consistency around nutrition. If you are asking yourself, "Why can't I be consistent with my nutrition?" Hang on for the last question cuz I think it's really going to help. All right, let's go. Hello, hello, my friend. Always good to be here with you podcasting. Got a great bunch of questions from Instagram, from all of you listeners. Going to be talking about all kinds of things today. We're going to talk about celebrity weight loss gummies, we're going to talk about creatine. We're going to talk about being nervous to go to the gym for the first time and a bunch more things. I thought I would start with a little update about my 52 while I'm 52 project. So if you're not sure what that is, I just turned 52 less than a month ago, at the beginning of October, and I decided that I wanted to do 52 new things this year. And so big things, little things, Not they're not all going to be giant things. Some are literally going to be just new foods I'm going to try. Uh, One I'm going to try very soon. I bought it. It's called tempeh. Do you know what tempeh is? I'm not even exactly. It's some kind of soy product, something adjacent to tofu, which I've really come to love in the past month or two, Uh, probably two months since I've been eating tofu. So I'm going to do little things and I'm going to do bigger things. Uh, So a couple of things that I've been working on this month, I've just set up a harp lesson. I've always been fascinated by the harp. Now I'm not going to commit to learning to play the harp and take lots of lessons, but I just wanted to have like an introductory, like here's how you play a harp and here's how you you put your hands on the strings. Just an hour lesson. I have a a good friend and she is a harpist and uh, she played at church recently. And I was like, I want to do that. And so I asked her if we could do a lesson this month. So that's coming up this month. Something I just started literally this morning I have had my eye on this for a while now. And it's not that I've never tried it. I just never put any real effort into it. And it's going to sound so silly when I say it out loud. But if you know what the dance, the shuffle is, it was really big on TikTok back. I'm pretty sure it was during quarantine that I first started seeing it. There was a teacher who got like a million followers doing variations of the shuffle. I think his name was Mr. McTikTok. Yeah, something like that. Anyway, Tons of people doing variations of this dance, and I just find it really happy. I like it. So I'm always watching these videos. And um, recently I found somebody, well, I found one person, and then you know how it is when you find a sound on TikTok or on Reels, you watch it. And if you press on the sound, you can watch a bunch more. Well, I found um, people doing the shuffle to this remix of Islands in the Stream. I love that song. Like I'm obsessed with that song. I've always been obsessed with that song. And It's this like fast version of it. And they were doing the shuffle to it. And I was like, I want to do that. It looks really fun. So I've committed to learning how to shuffle. I'm not starting with that song. It's really fast. So I watched a bunch of tutorials. That was step one. And, you know, that's kind of still like that learning phase that we all kind of do. when We want to do something though. You have to actually move on to the action phase. And this morning, I'm like, that's it. I'm pulling the trigger. I'm going to do this. So in my gym downstairs, adjacent to my gym, there's um, a guest bedroom and there's carpeting. So I put three lines of tape on there. This is what I've seen in some of the tutorials and it seems to help. And you do foot placement on the various pieces of tape to get the dance down. And I filmed myself, I'll eventually show this on Instagram, I'm sure. I filmed my first attempts at doing the shuffle. It wasn't terrible. It wasn't great. Uh, Believe me, it doesn't look like the shuffle yet. But I didn't like fall flat on my face. I didn't trip. I didn't think like I can't do this. I was just like, this is rough. <laughs> this is rough looking, but I'm getting the general idea of this move. So that's another one of the things I'm working on um, right now. And it's it's really fun. I'm enjoying this project a lot. All right. Moving into your questions, we're gonna start with a question from just Jilly Jill. And she says, could you please break down all of these celeb weight loss gummies? It makes no sense. Well, yeah, they don't make any sense because they really can't make any sense. I thought it was interesting. Off the top of my head, I couldn't picture which celebrities are actually hawking weight loss gummies. There's just been a long line of weight loss supplements scams out there. And so I was wondering, like, who's doing this today? Like, who is who is just Jilly Jill scene. And so I literally Googled celebrity weight loss gummies and an interesting story came up. Oprah recently, it was Sunday of this past week, went on her Instagram and did like a face to camera little announcement saying, I don't have anything to do with weight loss gummies. Basically, and I'm going to paraphrase her here. She's basically saying someone out there is advertising weight loss gummies with my name on it, putting my picture on it. And I know this, she said, because people keep coming up to me and asking me about my weight loss gummies. She met a woman recently. I guess it was on Sunday or Saturday. And that's what the woman said. Like she met Oprah and she's like, hey, like, how can I get your gummies? And Oprah wanted to let us know, like, she doesn't have gummies, which I was glad to hear. And people in the comments, it was so funny. (laughs) They're like, imagine meeting Oprah. And that's the question you ask. Can you imagine? If I met Oprah, (laughs) it would never occur to me to ask her about a weight loss gummy. (laughs) It actually got me thinking, like, what would I ask Oprah? What would I like Oprah? And uh, what would I like? What would I ask Oprah? And so I think what I would ask her is, who is the person that's still living? Like, don't tell me somebody, don't tell me like you want to interview Jesus or something, Oprah, but who is the person that's living that you haven't interviewed yet that you want to interview? That's what I would ask Oprah. What would you ask Oprah? The other thing I, I'd probably say like, hey, like, do you wish you never brought us Dr. Oz? I do. I wish you'd never brought us him, Oprah. But I wouldn't ask her about her gummies. So Oprah's definitely, and a lot of people are in those comments saying, I get emails and texts about Oprah's gummies all the time. They're not even Oprah's. She has nothing to do with them. I assume there's a lawsuit pending from Oprah and oh, that person better watch out. Here's what I want you to know. Any weight loss product endorsed by a celebrity or a fitness influencer, it usually comes down to one of these two things or both. One, well, obviously there's another occasion here with Oprah, like the fraud. If we're not dealing with outright fraud, other celebrities or influencers touting a weight loss gummy or a weight loss supplement, a weight loss tea, any kinds of these things, it comes down to one of two things or both of these things. One, they're drinking their own Kool-Aid. Like they think they're helping. They don't actually understand the science of weight loss and they just don't know better. They just don't know better. And they're believing whatever the wild claims are. Cause you know, they're not in the lab. They're not in the lab creating these products. So whatever team is bringing these to them, they're like, okay, yeah, great. I like those promises. Gonna drink this and I'm gonna lose weight. Awesome, awesome. Okay, so that's one possibility. And I do believe that happens. The other possibility is they absolutely know better. They absolutely know better. And it's just a way to make a buck because weight loss sells. And often I think it's a combination of of both of those. They do want to make money and sometimes they believe some of it or they believe all of it. But what I need you to know is there is no supplement that can help you lose weight. There is no gummy, no tea, no pill, no potion or powder. There are some legit doctor prescribed medications that can help with obesity, but there's no supplement gummy type thing. Super important to know. Thanks for that question. Just Jilly Jill. All right. The next question we're going to tackle, actually two people asked variations of this question. One is Jenny Wren 21 and one in this name. Hilarious. I love it. My Sherry Amour. She spells it dot hmour And you can bet I've been singing that song. It's Stevie Wonder, right? I'm not going to sing for you. I'm singing in my head right now. My Cherie Amour. Look, I sang for you. I wasn't going to. I love that song. Okay. So my Sherry Moore and Jenny Wren, 21, they both say some variation of what's the deal with creatine? What does creatine do? Do I need to take it if I'm weight training just twice per week? Awesome questions, ladies. Let's talk about creatine. What even is it? Should we take it? How do we take it? Is it safe? All of those things. Let's start about with what even is creatine? It is a naturally occurring substance that is found in your body, in your muscles, and in food, specifically animal products. It is not a steroid. It is not. It is among the most well-researched performing, performance-enhancing supplements around. It has been so well studied. And it's been shown to be safe and effective for improving our maximum strength and our power output. I feel like, okay, so tell me, like, how does this even work? Like, what does it do in our body? The first thing you need to know is that the energy currency of your body is called ATP, adenosine triphosphate. So this ATP is a molecule of adenosine. I struggle to say that word (laughs) with three phosphate molecules attached to it, hence the word triphosphate. So there's the molecule adenosine, there's three phosphate molecules. These molecules are attached together with bonds and breaking those bonds releases energy. So when your body needs ATP to power work, it breaks off one of those three phosphates. So then you're left with ADP, adenosine di to phosphate, right? Because there's now there's only two phosphates. Now here's the interesting thing. Your body does not have just a ton of ATP hanging around. So you have to be able to regenerate that ATP quickly if you wanna keep doing more work. And it does that in, a, in different ways, depending on a variety of factors. We have three main energy systems or processes in our body. When your body starts to demand more energy, say for example, when you're exercising, you run out of ATP quickly and your body's energy system called the phosphocreatine system allows you to rapidly replenish your ATP. But the upper limit of creatine that we could store in our muscles, we don't always get that in our diet. So we could have a bunch of creatine that we have room to store, but we just don't get it in our diet. So what we can do is we can max out those stores by supplementing with the supplement creatine. With more creatine in your muscles, there is more creatine available to replenish your ATP through the phosphocreatine system. This allows you to do more work, to exert more force. So it improves uh, how much stronger you can get and how much more muscle you can build. Okay, so that's In a nutshell, what it does, it taps out your stores, really fills, not taps out, tops off your stores of creatine so it is available for use for quick energy. Okay, so what kind should you buy? There are many different kinds of creatine on the market. Creatine monohydrate is the cheapest and the most effective. This is what you should be looking for. Creatine monohydrate. The other thing you want to do is look to see if the company you're purchasing from is third party tested. That means somebody outside the company is testing it to make sure that it is what it is saying it is and that it is effective. Legion is a well-respected brand. I like to use the Buff Chicks brand. I like their sour lemon creatine. I really enjoy the flavor. It's creatine monohydrate. It's third party tested. And I like supporting women-owned fitness businesses and just businesses in general. It's owned by Meg Squats. I am not Sponsored in any way. Meg does not have any idea who I am, but I do like her buff chicks brand. Their sour lemon creatine, delish. All right. So how much should you take and how should you take it? You have two options for starting with creatine, and either can work. There seems to be more evidence for the first variation, which I'm going to share with you, which is having a loading phase, but you could also skip the loading phase. So in a loading phase, you're going to take three grams per kilogram per day for five to seven days. So it's gonna be about 20 to 25 grams broken up into smaller doses throughout your day. And then you'll take three to five grams daily after that initial five to seven day loading period. So I did do a loading phase when I started creatine. um, Well, restart, I hadn't taken creatine in a while. I started taking it again last winter, last spring, somewhere around there. And did the five day loading period. So I broke it up across, and that was a little bit trickier to remember to take it because I was taking it like four times a day. Um, but once you get past that, you're just taking it once a day, every day. So that's option one is you do the loading phase. Option two, you just start with the three to five grams per day. This me- method takes a little bit longer for your phosphocreatine stores to be saturated. So it, it takes a while for that to happen um, versus the with the loading phase. In either case, you continue to take five grams daily. So you take it every day and you do that, whether it's a workout day or a rest day. And there's no need to cycle on and off. You can just start it and continue on taking it five grams daily. You just mix it with a little water. Hopefully you get one that's tasty. You just drink it up. That's how you take it. So I hope that that helped, ladies. Thanks for your questions about creatine. Hit me up with any follow-up questions you have about it. All right, next question. Moving on, subjects here. This question comes from Patty Paul Luck. Maybe it's Patty Paul UK. How do I know how many calories I need for healthy weight loss? Great question. I love that you specified for healthy weight loss and not for like rapid fat loss because a lot of people just want to cut their calories as low as possible. My goal with people is always to have them lose weight on as many calories as possible while still losing weight at a good rate. What is a good rate of progress? Anywhere from half a pound a week to two pounds per week on average. Now, we average that out over the course of a month. You don't have to lose that half a pound, one pound, two pound per week to be making great progress. That higher end, that two pound per week, even that one pound per week is going to be for somebody who has a lot more weight to lose. If you just have the last few pounds to lose, you're definitely going to be looking at that half a pound per week, not that two pound end. Okay, so keep that in mind. All right. So how do we even know how many calories should we eat? There are multiple ways to do that. I'm going to talk you through two of them now. One is to use a formula and the other is to start where you are and find your maintenance calories. Let's talk about that one first. So starting where you are, spend two weeks tracking everything you can eat, not everything you can eat, (laughs) everything you do eat, (laughs) track everything you do eat or drink, to see how many calories it is. So you're gonna need to get an app like Lose It or MyFitnessPal or any kind of app like this. You're gonna track everything you eat or drink for the next two weeks. And while you're doing that, you're also going to weigh yourself daily, okay? Assuming that you have maintained your weight over those two weeks, and you'll know that by looking at your average weight. So take the first weights that you have, the first week and the second week, average them. Do you know how to average your weight? You know, you don't even have to do two, just do one. That's not true. Let's have you do two. Average week one and average week two. For you to have maintained your weight, we're going to want those weights to be very similar, right? If the weight has gone up, you're going to be have been gaining weight. And we're not talking about any individual weigh-in. So week one, you weigh every day, you write that weight down. Then you're going to add those seven digits up And you're going to divide by seven. That'll give you your average weight for week one. Then we want to look at your average weight for week two. They should be very, very similar. If they are, you are maintaining your weight. Those are your maintenance calories. Once we know your maintenance calories, you reduce those. And that puts you in a calorie deficit. You want to think about reducing them somewhere between 15 to 30%. Now that 30% end, that is a high end. And that is for people with obesity they do not reduce your calories 30% if you are not somebody with obesity. For most people that 15 to 20% reduction in calories is a really good place to go. Those are going to be your starting deficit calories. Okay, so that's option 1 as you start where you where you are, you just kind of experiment to figure out where where are you maintaining your weight on what calories are you maintaining your weight? Okay. I missed a step. We talked about checking out your average weight. Then you're going to average out your calories. So you're going to look at your calories. If you have maintained your weight, okay, you're going to look at your calories. You're going to average out your daily calories. So if you ate 2000 calories on day one and 2100 calories on day two and 1900 calories on day three, you average out your calories to see what is your average daily calories. Those would be your maintenance calories. Average it out over the week and then you're gonna see what are your maintenance calories and that's what you're gonna reduce. Sorry, I missed that step. All right, so that's possibility one. Possibility two, if you're like, that is a crap ton of work, and I don't wanna do that. I don't wanna do that. The other option you have is to use a formula to get started. I'm gonna show you two possible formulas you can use. Which one you choose is going to differ on how much, by how much weight you have to lose. If you have, and this is not an exact number, there's not an exact, this is definitely something I do way more by feel, but I can give you a general idea. If you have more than 40 pounds to lose, you're gonna use formula two. If you have somewhat less than that, you're gonna use formula one. Here's formula one. You're gonna take your current body weight. Remember, this is for people who have less than 40 pounds to lose. You're gonna take your current body weight and you're gonna multiply it by 10, 11, or 12. And that's going to be your number of calories that you will eat. Okay. And I'm going to come back and tell you how to choose 10, 11, or 12 in just a minute. If you have more than 40 pounds to lose, I want you to take your goal weight. Okay. Take your goal weight. It doesn't have to be your ultimate goal weight. So if you have a hundred pounds to lose, don't choose a number that is a hundred pounds less than where you're at now. We don't want you taking that big of a leap because your calories are going to be too low. Choose something that's 20, 30, 40 pounds less than where you are now as your temporary goal weight, then you're going to take that number, that's your goal body weight, and you're going to multiply it by 10, 11, or 12. Okay. Those numbers are going to give you your starting calories. So, how do you pick whether you should multiply by 10, 11, or 12? These are activity factors. If you are sedentary, as in you sit at a desk most days and you don't walk outside, you don't go for walks, you don't track steps and get you know, 7,000 steps, 5,000 steps at least or more. You're not getting extra steps in. you sit at a desk, you're not working out, these kinds of things, that's gonna give you a 10, okay? A 12 would be somebody who has a very busy active job, you're on your feet all day, or maybe you do a lot of walking, you're tracking your steps and you're getting 10,000 steps or more a day, and you also exercise in some formal way, maybe you play a sport, those kinds of things, you're very active, that would be a 12. And in the middle of those two would be an 11. So maybe you're not totally sedentary, maybe you take a couple walks a week and you work out a little bit, that would be more 11. What I don't want you to do is base this on whether or not you work out. Don't make this whole decision about whether you're at 10 or 11 or 12, as in like, I go to the gym and work out four days a week. I'm active we really have to consider what you're doing outside of your gym time that can be a piece of the decision but really we want to look at what are you doing outside of the gym time if you are glued to your chair for 10 hours per day you're likely not a 12 okay so that's how you're going to figure out your formula to give you your starting calories now in either cases whether you're going to do that first kind of experiment I explained or whether you're going to use a formula in either case, You're going to adjust based on results. This gives you a good starting number, and we're going to see how you perform with those numbers. Use the number you get for an entire month and look to see what happens when you eat those calories for an entire month. Really keep your adherence high. You want to be hitting that calorie target at least 80 to 90% of the time, and then you can see how did I do? How much weight did I lose? Did I at least lose a half a pound per week? and then you can adjust based on results. I will say having a coach really, really helps with all of this. Every last bit of this, setting these numbers, choosing your activity factor, deciding which formula to use, um, deciding if you need to adjust, deciding if you're actually um, being consistent and compliant enough. All of this, a coach really, really helps. If you would like to get on the waiting list for fitter after 40, that is my uh, signature program. It opens again in just a couple of months in the spring. I know that feels far off, but it's not that far off. Get on the waiting list. I will put that uh, link in the show notes. I would love to help you with all of these things. It's not as complicated as it it sounds. If you have somebody who knows what they're doing, guiding you, and I would be your personal guide if you join fitter after 40. So look for that in the show notes. All right. That's a quick, and I have plenty of YouTube videos about this. The other option you have, and I'll put this in the show notes as well. I give support. I have a free email course. It's the five day um, free fat loss crash course. No, you're not going to lose weight in five days. It's five days to help educate you about setting your nutrition up to lose weight And what I've just said, I put in writing with a lot of other supporting information. So I will put that in the show notes as well. So you can join my free five-day fat loss crash course. All right. Moving on questions. This next question is from Calitexi. Calitexi says, I've hired a coach at my gym. I start tomorrow and I'm extremely nervous. Any suggestions? First of all, Calitexi, yay you. I am so cheering you on. You should be so proud of yourself. What a big step to do something that you're so nervous about and that's clearly so outside of your comfort zone and take such a big step for your health. I love it. I'm so proud of you and you should be proud of you. So let's talk through this quite a bit here, actually. Number one thing I want you to know is being nervous here is totally normal. You're doing something new. Most of us are nervous when we do something new. And for this particular new thing, you might also have a lot of emotion about your body. You might feel self-conscious about how you look as you train. So in that case, it's even added nervousness when we're talking about doing this project, going to the gym and meeting with a coach for the first time versus something like starting a new job or taking a new like art class or something like there's a lot of emotion wrapped up here so it's totally normal for you to be nervous second thing i would suggest is that you get the nervous thoughts out of your head write them down what specifically are you nervous about instead of just having this like general nervous feeling like specifically ask yourself what am i nervous about what am i nervous is going to happen Maybe you're nervous that you won't be able to do an exercise. Maybe you're nervous that you'll look stupid. Maybe you'll ner- you're nervous that somebody's going to like look at you funny or give you, you know, like laugh at you. These are, ner- these are common things that people worry about. And then for each of these things, whatever your worries are, and likely you have more than one, whatever your worries are, I want you to ask yourself, okay, so if this thing actually happens, what will I do? What if I actually don't have the capability to do some exercise? Like the coach tells me to do this and I actually can't do it. Like worst case scenario, what will you do? What will happen next if you do that thing? And what you will come to realize is that even in worst case scenario, you'll be able to manage it. You'll be able to manage it. And most of the time our worst case scenarios don't even come true, but you'll realize that you could handle it. So what if you go to the gym and you can't do an exercise your coach gives you? What, what will you do? Well, you'll probably say like, I, I can't like move my leg that way. I can't get into that position. This hurts. This feels funny. Like you'll say it. And then what's that coach going to do? That coach is going to help you adjust it. That's what's going to happen. That coach is going to help you figure out, okay, maybe, maybe the coach will give you another exercise. Maybe they'll give you a cue that will help you move your body in that way. They'll give you some kind of modification or adaptation. Like what you're going to realize is the things you're fearing, even in the worst case scenario, you'll be able to handle it. Now in this one, maybe you're like, that's not the worst case scenario. The worst case scenario is the coach is rude to me. Yeah, that could happen. Likely it won't, but it could. Well, what would you do if your coach is rude to you? Think through that. Okay. If this person I've hired is rude to me, what would I do? And you will be able to handle it. You, you will absolutely be able to handle it. And getting these worries, these nervous thoughts out of our head can help us to deal with them. And then I also want you to ask yourself one more follow-up question about these nervous thoughts that you've written down. Will I let this thing keep me from achieving what I want to achieve? Will I let the worry that somebody's gonna look at me funny or think I don't belong stop me from achieving what I want to achieve? Will I let the worry that I don't look the way I wanna look in my workout clothes stop me from achieving what I want to achieve? And for most of, the, most of us, most of the time, we do want the thing we want, right? And so we're willing to push through it and it can really help to get this all out of our head so that we can deal with it. And then the next thing I would suggest is to be honest with the coach you've hired about your nerves. There's nothing shameful about being nervous. You will feel so much better being 100% transparent. And this goes for anything. Let me tell you a little story. Five years ago, I was telling my business coach, uh, his name's Jordan, you might know Jordan, Jordan Syed. I was telling him, we were on a phone call and I was telling him how time-consuming it was for me to make content. And as we talked, it came out that part of the fee, my feeling of why this was taking me so long to make content was that I had this feeling that in order for me to show up on Instagram, I needed a clean house. I needed my hair done and I needed my makeup done. And he said to me, as soon as we hang up from this call, he asked me, he's like, what are you wearing now? I'm like, I'm in my pajamas. He's like, have you done your hair and makeup? I'm like, nope. He's like, all right, here's what I want to do. When we hang up from this call, I want you to post a picture of yourself. This is back in the day when that's what we were doing on Instagram, right? We were posting pictures. (laughs) I want you to post a picture wearing exactly what you are in whatever your state your kitchen is. And I want to tell, I want you to tell everyone what you're nervous about. Tell them how you feel. Tell them that you're nervous, that they're going to judge you and see what happens. And so I literally did get off the call. You can see it if you go back. I was, I think I was wearing a green sweatshirt. I don't know. Look way back like five years if you're looking for this. And I wrote a post about how nervous I was that I would be judged if I didn't show up looking picture perfect on Instagram. So there I was in my messy kitchen and I instantly felt relief. I instantly felt relief just putting out there what I was nervous about. So be honest with your coach about your nerves. Be honest with the person that you're sitting next to, like while you're waiting for your coach to come out and be like, hey, you know what? I'm really nervous. This is my first time. You will feel so much better being authentic about your nervousness. And then the last piece of advice I have for you here, Calatexi. the last piece of advice I have for you is to remind yourself that you're a beginner. And that is an awesome thing to be. Beginners have so much progress ahead. They have so many possibilities. There is zero shame in being a beginner. A beginner is an awesome place to be. And that's where you are. Keep me posted how it goes, Calitexi. I'm super, super excited for you. All right, next question this one is from WW points for me. She says, when I first started weight training and getting my knee up, my weight increased. Is this normal? Now, if you don't remember what getting your knee up means, that's your non-exercise activity thermogenesis. This is just all the movement you do outside of structured exercise. So it's, you know, taking extra steps, um, taking multiple trips, bringing your groceries in, um, walking extra laps around the target, all these kind of things that you just increase your movement. That's your need. So she started getting her need up. She started weight training and she noticed that her weight, weight had increased and she wants to know, is that normal? All right. So increasing your need should not impact the scale in the short term. Like in the long term, what we're hoping that that does is to help us to burn more calories as we manage our nutrition correctly. And we're hoping that in the long term, scale is going to go down. But in the short term, you shouldn't have any scale impact either up nor down from just increasing your NEAT. Beginning strength training can impact what the scale does. There can be an initial increase on the scale when you strength train. There's inflammation, there's increased glycogen in your muscles, and this can cause the scale to go up. People often notice this after a really heavy leg day, whether you're a beginner or not. You often notice this kind of jump in the scale after a heavy lifting session, start paying attention to that. The really important thing to know is that this jump in the scale is not representative of fat gain. The real issue here is how you're using the scale. Okay. If every time the scale goes up, you think I have gained fat, that's a problem because the scale is going to go up and down and up and down all the time. Whether or not, even if your the level of fat in your body remained exactly the same. So if you're at weight maintenance, it's not going to just be static. At no point, even if you've reached your goal weight, let's say your goal weight's 150, it's not like you reach that and then you stay at 150 and every day you weigh, you're still 150, 150, 150, 150. That's that doesn't happen. The scale will still go up and down. So maybe it's 142, 141.5, 150, 149.7. It goes up and down for a variety of factors that have nothing to do with how much fat is in your body, on your body. What I want you to really focus on is looking at short-term increments as just data. Like you can't assign meaning to them. We need those data points so there's nothing to base on your decisions on like, am I losing weight? What is the trend saying if you don't have lots of data points? So we need data points. What we need you to do is not assign meaning to those data points, okay? So when you weigh today and then you weigh tomorrow, comparing those two and then assigning meaning of like, oh, I've gained fat or I've lost fat to that is not useful. It's not correct. So what I want you to do is weigh daily, write those numbers down, remind yourself, this is all just data. And then zoom out and compare your weight from the beginning of a month to the end of the month. So we weigh daily, but we compare big trends over the course of a month. And that's gonna give you a really different picture than looking at your weight today versus tomorrow or tomorrow versus two days ago. You cannot look at the scale in these short-term increments and assign meaning to it. All right, hope that helped. And then our last question, this is from Lossie249. And she says, why can't I remain consistent with my nutrition? Why? Okay, Lossie, this is an important question because nutritional consistency is the determining factor in successful weight loss. It is the factor. It's also what most people struggle with. Why? Why do people struggle to remain consistent with their calorie deficit? There's a lot of reasons, the abundance of hyperpalatable food, the abundance of fast food, oversized portions we've become accustomed to, the fact that our social lives and our relaxation time is almost exclusively built around food, the fact that we have used food as a main coping tool to deal with negative emotions or actually any kind of emotions. We're sad, eat, we're happy, eat, we're bored, eat, right? All of these reasons have led to us having a lifestyle that is not conducive to maintaining a calorie deficit. And at the same time, we've been sold a bill of lies that weight loss can be quick and easy. Now, when you think about all those things I listed a minute ago, there's nothing quick and easy about changing those things. There are fundamental lifestyle shifts. There are fundamental behavior shifts that you need to make to lose and maintain weight loss. And so maintaining consistency with your nutrition requires this kind of work. And the real work is being patient with yourself as you make those changes. Let's say if you overeat at night or you stress eat after a long day at work, and then you're like, ah, see, I just can't be consistent. I can't be consistent. What usually follows? It's usually some period of days or maybe even weeks where you kind of throw in the towel. But what if in those moments instead, same situation, you stress eat after work, or you just overate at night out of habit, or it's what you do while you watch TV. What if instead of berating yourself with, why can't I be consistent? In those moments, you got curious instead. Hmm. Okay. So I stress ate after work again today. I wonder why. Like, what was I feeling? What was I thinking? What was I hoping to feel? Like, what did I want the food to do for me? And then, and this is a really important one, what could I do differently tomorrow? if the same thing happened. So if I come home to work from work tomorrow and I'm feeling this way again, what could I do differently? And then you just continue on knowing that this is a learning process, not a final exam each day. That is my best advice for becoming consistent with your nutrition is to really get curious on those times that you're not consistent. And instead of beating yourself up with them, using them to learn what can i do differently what am i feeling what am i thinking what led to this so that the next time you can do it differently so we stop this process of getting on and off the wagon well, that was a weird sound my throat just made <laughs> we want to stop this getting on and off and beating ourselves up when we make mistakes expect that as you are learning to change these habits and behaviors that not all will go smoothly Just because you want to stop stress eating, just because you want to stop eating in front of the TV at night, doesn't mean you're automatically going to do it. You need to work on changing those shifting behaviors, shifting thoughts, shifting patterns, and you can do that over time. And getting curious about it is really gonna help. All right, that's what I have for you here today. Looking forward to being with you again next week. In the meantime, have a fantastic week. We'll talk soon. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Fitness Simplified Podcast. I hope you found it motivational, inspirational, educational, organizational. If you did find value in this episode today, it would mean a great deal to me if you would leave a rating and review on whatever podcasting platform you are listening to this episode on. It really does help to get this podcast in front of other people. Thanks so much for being here.